Welcome to What's Your 20. I'm your host, Carl Figueredo, and today we're joined with Madeline Lee. She's an award-winning non-union costume designer who I've had the pleasure of working with countless times, and might I just say, you're one of the favorites that I get to work with. I have I, I have to say that about everyone, but truly, <laughs> you're one of the favorites. <laughs> Thank you, as are you for me. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. So let's start off by, why don't you tell us, me, the listeners, a little bit about what is costume designing? What does it entail? Yeah, Um. I mean, costume designing is sort of the act of helping to figure out, in my mind, who a character is and how they relate to the world and the other people there, um, and just sort of bringing that character more to the forefront in a visual way, Mm -hmm. whereas the actor, I mean, as well, is visual, of course, but uh, sort of helping to sell who they're trying to be, you know? Okay, and how do you do that? So, like, when I hear design, do you create every outfit or is it it's the creation of pulling the outfit together what's what's sort of your process uh it, it's a bit of both it depends on the show obviously as with everything um but a lot most of the time i'd say it is more er, for at least the shows that i've gotten to work on uh styling so like pulling together different things that you you find around whether it be at thrift stores or just shopping in the malls mm-hmm. or ordering online um, the shows that I really do love are when you get to like fully design and you get to like bring something from start to finish, whether mm-hmm. you're like fully sewing something or just like altering things to make it look a certain way, uh, or doing breakdown. It's, those are the ones I really like to do. <laughs> so do you, which act do you prefer the most? Do you like creating the outfit from fabrics or do you prefer to do the altering of an outfit or just pulling it together which which is your favorite out of those three Hmm. it's a hard question I think um I think I do love making them from scratch when you get to do it from from the start to finish I think that's a really fun time and you have so much control which for is sure nice. yeah you get to add your own little artistic flair to it how do you mm-hmm. speaking of artistic flair how do you control that when you have to bring in when let's say the production doesn't have enough money mm-hmm. and uh they don't have enough time to give you to be able to create your own outfit from scratch how do you add your artistic flair to designs that you have to just pull from the thrift store yeah, um, it can be tough sometimes because, like, yeah, I've worked on a lot of very low-budget productions, and a lot of time you don't have enough time, you don't have enough money. That's kind of how it goes. Um, but kind of just adding little things that you can, like pins or patches, um, or if you can just add a little breakdown to add, like, some wear and tear to something, give it, like, its own little story, you know? Um or even just, like, the act of what how you put it together with other things is in itself, like, part of the creativity, in, in my mind. Very cool. So when you start a project, what do you initially do? So you got sent a script, you're, you're, the director's given you their little synopsis of the story, and you're, you're gung-ho to do it. What's the first thing you do? First thing is definitely script breakdown. So going through, uh, writing out like every character, every like if there's like mentioned background, anything like that, uh, and then checking if because like some scripts will have a mention of a specific clothing item, like it'll be like a red jacket or something like that. Making note of that to talk to the directors, producers if they actually want that, because a lot of the time something will be in the script, but they won't be married to it. You yeah. know, if you have like a better idea or something, they'll they'll go for that. Um, yeah, and just kind of getting the vibe for a character, writing down, like, their age, their their background, uh, and getting to know who they are. Yeah. And do you initially do, I guess, a, a prelim of your characters, or do you wait until the director gives it to you? How, how does that sort of work, your relationship with the director as a costume designer, to get more character info? 
It it definitely depends on the director a lot because some directors will come in and they have a, a very strong vision of who this person is, yeah. uh, clothing-wise. And some directors, some directors don't want anything to do with clothing. They're like, I don't know anything about this. You just do what you got to do. Definitely. No, I, that, that's, that's me as an AD. I'm like, you tell me how long you need and I'll, I'll do it. But <laughs> if you say it's going to take me 30 hours to sew this arm back on, I'm like, it probably takes 30 hours. <laughs> Ooh, that's one of the things I love about yeah. you, Carl, is that you'll, you'll like, I'll be like, can I have this much time? And you're like... Okay. <laughs> we can try. <laughs> we can try. <laughs> um, what type of directors do you prefer working with in that case? Do you prefer the ones that are like, I know exactly what I want. This is what I want you to do for me. Or do you prefer the ones that are like, look, no idea. I don't even know what a costume is. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like somewhere in the middle because I like coming in and they have, they know who they are and they have like a bit of an idea. Yep. But um, I do like having the creativity of being able to be like, well, what if we went in this direction? Or what if we went with like this style a little more? Um, just just to feel like you have a bit more control um, and creativity. Because it can be a little stifling sometimes when you come in and the director's like, I want to be wearing this pants, this shirt, yeah. this jacket. And it's like, well, okay, I guess I'm just here to, you know, shop. <laughs> and I want you to do it all for $20. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Retro, vintage, the works. Retro, vintage, breakdown, multiples. Yeah. You got $20. <laughs> Perfect. Easy. You know what? Not a miracle worker. Yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. So... Let's talk a little bit about, so in the very early stages, you've done your breakdown, you know what you're sort of looking at, you've done your meeting with the director and he's started to lock in what you need. How important for a non-union standpoint is a costume fitting and costume tests? Very important. With any production, costume fitting is so, so important. It's the worst when you are unable to do a fitting and you're like on the day like this doesn't fit yeah. or this doesn't look good um it can be tough especially with like when you're doing indie productions a lot of time i'm using my house yes. as the fitting room um and it can i've got four, i've got three roommates it's like i've got ferrets i've got all this stuff going on and it's like this feels like it's not super professional looking yeah. i've got a painting of a crying clown on the wall oh. but <laughs> Um, really sets the tone. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it tells them who I am, I yeah. guess, right away. Um, but definitely so, so important. Um, costume tests, to me, aren't as important on, like, a smaller, like, non-union indie production. Um, if it's, like, something that camera needs to see. Like, I, I, we just did a show, and there was a pretty sparkly costume at one yeah. point. And so it's nice to do, like, tests on those just to make sure it's not going to be an issue for camera. Um, and it is nice to see them fully how they're going to be and make sure it fits the character and everything. But I think you can get a pretty good idea in vis visualization in a fitting. Yeah. So it's not it's not the end of the world if you can't do a full, like, makeup hair costume test. Definitely. And what are you—so you mentioned that we predominantly use the— fitting to get the right sizes on it on on the character is, is there anything else that you look out for when you're doing a costume fitting yeah i mean um a lot of just making sure it works like sometimes sometimes you don't get the headshots for actors uh, i love getting the headshots because you know sometimes the colors you pick might not go with their hair or their skin tone um and you want to make sure definitely that everything is working out and looking good and you never really know how a cut of an outfit is going to fit someone until it's on their body because yep. everyone's body is different like they can give you their measurements but everyone's going to fit stuff differently even if they have the same measurements it's going to look different on them you know gotcha um yeah and just also comfort is one thing depending on the actor you want to make sure they're comfortable in what they're wearing like skirts not too short Tops, not too low cut. If they're stunts, you want to make sure they have enough room for padding, um, that they can move properly because that's, like, the most important part of their job. Mm -hmm. um, 
and make sure that it's working for them as well as for you. So you mentioned uh, if there's stunts. How do you usually find out if there's stunts? Would that be something that goes into your breakdown? Do you expect someone to tell you that there's going to be stunts and who it's with? Usually, um, usually you can tell from the script. If someone's, like, getting hit by a car or something like that, you're like, I assume the actor's not going to be doing this. Um, But usually I do also rely on the director or first AD to let me know that there is going to be stunts um, so that I can get started on that, know that I'm going to need doubles, um, to budget that, and just mentally prepare yes <laughs> that they're probably going to ruin the outfit yes <laughs> no uh who is the person who goes out and gets the measurements from the cost um most of the time it's me on indies um just because a lot of the time i am working alone yeah. um but if i'm lucky enough to have an assistant who is off- often lucy who's yeah. wonderful um I have been getting them to do it, and normally, like on a on a bigger show, it is the the assistant mm-hmm. costume designer who will get the measurements um, and be that sort of first point of contact with the actors. Got you. And uh, you mentioned to me you work in the union world as well, correct? Mm-hmm. So, uh, in your experience, what's the large difference for a costume designer in your eyes from the union side of things to the non-union? Hmm. Tough question. There's a lot of there's a lot of differences and similarities. Um, I mean, one of the most obvious is definitely money. Yes, <laughs> you definitely have uh, so much more money on a union show, and often more time um, for preparing things. Uh, I did like one union show where we were doing one scene, and we had I think two or three weeks of prep, yeah. and it was like one actor and maybe 10 BG and we had all that time and it was so nice (laughs) to just be able to think about things. Um, Whereas on a non-union, usually you have like, sometimes you don't get cast until like a couple days before shooting. Yes. So it's very, uh, very go, go, go. Um, And that's not to say that every union show is like that. I'm sure there are some that you get cast last minute. Um, But I have found that it's nicer to have that prep time. Yes. And the money to, not make mistakes, but if things go wrong, to fix it. Definitely. Cause the, so is that something that happens a lot in the non-union world? Like, I remember on our show, we got blood on one of your costumes. And it was like, okay, now we need to, we need to fix this because blood can't go on this costume. Yeah. So. Like, if that had been a union show, yeah. um, I think we would have had money for... I mean, because on that show, we had... We had a double for the jacket, um, actually for another scene that didn't end up happening. But on a union show, I think we probably would have had like four doubles on that jacket. So we could have just switched it over. Um, Whereas on this one, we'd already taken apart the other jacket for the other scene. So it was like a bit of a panic trying to get that blood out. Um, So just having that ability to be more prepared for things to go wrong. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So how do you, on a non-union set, how would you try to structure it so you minimize the most amount of things happening? Or are you, like, always prepared that, hey, uh, they told us no blood will go onto this, but I can't trust these people? Yeah. Sounds bad, but never trust anyone. (laughs) Just, like, always be prepared for the worst. If you can have doubles, have doubles. Always have cleaning supplies on standby. Sewing kits on standby. Um, Always take things with a grain of salt. Because a lot of the times you'll read a script and you'll be like, oh, we need doubles. Or is this thing going to happen? Are we really going to get this dirty? And in pre-production, you'll be told by the director or producer, no, 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 it's not going to happen. Don't worry about it. And you get to the day and they're like, but what if we actually did do this? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So it's nice to, even when they say it's not going to happen, just be prepared for it to happen. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so preparation is key. Yes. (laughs) And making sure that everyone's going, oh, thinking that everyone will lie to you is also pretty key in the costumer's (laughs) eyes. Yes. (laughs) Does so? How does your stuff usually get to set? You mentioned you're a one man band most of the time. 
how do you get all the costumes to set? What what is your process of actually like like going from your home to just being there in your setup? Do you bring everything? Do you is production meant to? Um, on all the indies I've worked on, I I bring everything usually. A few have offered me like they they'll rent a truck for set deck, and sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, we have room if you need to put some stuff in." Yeah. Uh, but most of the time, I kind of like to do it myself. It can be a little tough. I drive a jeep. It's very compact and small, and fitting a rack in that is yeah. a bit of a puzzle. Um, but I make it work. Nice. Um, yeah, it's nice to have that control of bringing it with you. Um, because I try if say we're not shooting a character on a day. And if it's not a walk away and I can't leave stuff there, I'm not, I'm trying not to bring every costume from the show, you know? Definitely. Um, so I like having the control of being able to leave something at home and just come back to it at the end of the day. Have you ever been in a situation that you left one of the items and needed it there that day? Yeah. What happens in that situation? Would you just go up and tell someone or would you be like, hey, I need to leave for like 20 minutes? Depends on the thing. Because a lot of the time it comes back to the never trust anybody. Yeah. I'll be like, hey, do we need this? And they'll be like, no, 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 no. And then they'll be like, actually, we have time now. What if we shot this? Yeah. Um, And it kind of depends on the situation. If I'm like an hour away from home, I'm not going to leave set for an hour. Yeah. Um, to go get something and I'll just be like, sorry guys, we, we can't do it unless you want to do it without this item. Um, but there are a few times where I have like run home or cause maybe I, there's like, there's been times that I've forgotten something that I should have remembered, you yeah. know? Um, and it's nice when I have someone who can help me, uh, like Lucy, um, and just send one of us offset to go get stuff. Definitely. Um, but unfortunately that's not usually the case on indies. Do you have a, like, before you leave the house, do you have a, are you meant to be going off a checklist? Like, I know when I leave the house, I do the side pat, back pat. I'm like, okay, keys, phone, wallet, sweet. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, I'll, I usually have things, like, packed into yeah. boxes, and I'll be like, okay, make sure I have every little thing for this character. Because I usually try to bring a character's whole closet for a day yeah. in, in case they pull, like, hey, we have time for this scene now. Let's do it. Um because it happens a lot, uh, or they'll just be changing things around. Um, but yeah, I definitely have like my checklist. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I got it all. But sometimes, sometimes I miss things when I'm making the checklist. Yeah. You know, for sure. And like from what I can tell, you're a very organized costumer, and the way you run Thank your you. department <laughs> is very structured. Do you say that's a testimony from working in the union world as well and seeing what they do, or are you naturally an organized person? I think it's more of a natural and a trial by fire uh kind of thing um the first like couple shows i worked on were not super organized and very intense um being being a assistant costume designer um and i think going through those times and having the um results of not being organized seeing those uh, sort of struck the fear into me that was like, I need to be organized at all times. Yeah. No, and it, it's so, so handy and efficient to be organized on the day, especially if, like, I've been on sets where the costumer hasn't put into rows whose costumes are what, or even, like, mm. what scene order they're meant to be in mm -hmm. and then seeing the stress of like oh sweet we're jumping to this scene this is the character and they're given all the information but the clothes are just strewn everywhere oh. <laughs> yeah no i i never want to go like that because i mean i understand sometimes you don't have a lot of room sometimes maybe you don't have room for a rack so it's hard to have everything like in your yeah. bucket or something like that um, but no, I always try to be as organized as possible, have everything divided and worked out for the whole day. Um, which I've just, yeah, come to learn from being on various sets, a lot of MOWs, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, organization is key. It's a big part of costuming. Yes. No, no, certainly. And, uh, let me throw a hypothetical to you. So from... Everything that I know about union and non-union aiding, the costumer is usually, well, not the costume designer, but a costume 
maybe assistant and costume assistant mm-hmm. would have to walk the uh, the the cast from their green room or from set back to the green room if it's in the rain yes. with an umbrella. Otherwise, usually it's it's like a tad or a a third AD. Is that something that's that you're expected to do in a non-union land as well, or is it something that you've been expected to at least like bring the umbrella because sometimes it's, I mean, a wide variety of departments might have to bring this umbrella, but it's usually costumes who does it, is that? Yeah, it's pretty much always costumes. Um, Definitely even on like non-union sets, uh, I have been expected to have the umbrellas and uh, be the team to hold them, which can be difficult when you're a one-man team. There's like five actors, you know? Um, Usually hair and makeup are nice enough to help out because it does also affect them quite a lot. Um, but yeah, pretty much, pretty much always costumes are expected to have, have the umbrellas, hold them. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. And I remember like, I, one thing that always trips me out is when you see an umbrella on, uh, in the script mm. and it's also raining on the day and you have to like, okay, I'm taking him to set with the umbrella and now let's swap it out for the real umbrella. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's that interesting crossover of, yeah, but I guess it's props when once it's on camera, it's yeah. props. Yeah, so. <laughs> nice and easy. Actually, speaking of which, how is your relationship with props when it is a, uh, like, from time to time, I'll be on a show where it will be special effects makeup, but the design of the body is partial special effects or even props adding elements onto the wardrobe. Mm. How's your relationship with those departments and who usually leads the vision on something like that? Mm. Uh, I would say you always want to have a good relationship with props. I mean, you always want to have a good relationship with everybody. Um, That makes you a good anyone in film. (laughs) Um, But definitely most of the time, the conversations, I would say, are led by costumes. Um, Because props has a lot to focus on that aren't costume related you know and I think they usually make that their priority at least I, I originally started out in props so that's kind of how it would work for us um we wouldn't I mean we would think about things uh that are costume related like purses and stuff like that yeah um but a lot of the times you're following costumes lead because they are the ones who are setting the look so you're basing your choice of a purse off of their costume you're not being like I think this would fit the character you're more so going off the costume i would say uh at least for all the productions i worked as props and what i've done since then being costumes yeah um it can be interesting too because there's a lot of crossover between props and costumes a lot of gray area um that can be a little complicated in uh in in non-union in in the indie world uh i've found a lot of times that I end up doing the things that would, on a union show or a bigger show, uh, normally be props. Yeah. Um, because also a lot of the time on indies, you've got sort of your art department who's doing set deck and props, and yeah. they got a lot to deal with. Yeah. So, like, I'm fine being like, oh, I'll take over the helmets and the purses or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you definitely want to keep that relationship good with them and that communication open at all times nice. for any any adjustments, you know. I think it would also be very beneficial for budget because if you're in communication and you're like, don't worry, man, I got the hat this time. Mm-hmm. And they come back to you and they're like, but I already bought the hat. <laughs> yeah. Um, that can be a problem with budget. So I, I get it. It's definitely one of those things that it's more beneficial to have that great relationship. And being part of this film family, you should be having a good relationship with any everyone. Mm-hmm. Which is also why, like, especially on set, you guys are being so as efficient as you are and having that opportunity to make changes, which makes you so pleasant to be around on set. Um, I'm glad. <laughs> so I I did have a dying question about your relationship with the art department. From from what everything that I picked up from film, I know that the costume designer is the head of department for uh, wardrobe and costumes, right? Mm-hmm. But the production designer are they your boss or are they on the same level? And how does it work with the design element comes into play? Mm-hmm. It definitely, yeah, depends on the show. Uh, 
For a lot of indie productions I've done, I would say most of the time they don't really consider themselves my boss. They consider me kind of like a separate thing because we don't technically fall under the art department. Right. Which is is kind of surprising because it is like a visual thing. So you'd think it would be kind of grouped together. Yeah. Um, But it really depends on the the art director um, and production designer. Because some of them are very involved with costumes, and they want to see your color scheme. They want to they want to see the cuts. They want to see what you're going for, and be like, "Yeah, this fits or this doesn't fit." Yeah. Some of them are just like, "We'll exchange notes on if what color this wall is going to be, so you don't make it the same color." Yeah. Um, and that's kind of more the side that I've run into. I think in yeah. indie, is they've got so much to think about yeah. already um, that a lot of the times they're not they're not too involved with. Yeah. Uh, the design process uh, definitely differs on union. I would say it's a lot more communication depending depending on the show. If it's like a uh, modern day contemporary piece, I think a lot of the time they're not super invested in the style. They worry about colors and stuff, but not super every aspect. Uh, whereas if it's like a built from the ground up kind of show, you've really got to be in communication, make sure if it's like a fantasy world, make sure everything fits together. Got you. Okay. So it's, it's sort of like, I guess in a way at the simplest form, they might just have their breakdown and share with you their breakdown. So, so it's more Mm -hmm. so clashing doesn't happen. Not as really, Hey, not as them being that director who would be like, this is the type of pants I want. These are the socks. And, you know, yeah. if the socks don't match the arm bracelet, then we don't want it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Got you. Got you. Have you ever run into an instance where the production designer was being too forceful on your department? Um, Not not really. Um, most of the people – I've been extremely lucky in who I've worked with in uh, non-union uh, to work with like a lot of amazing people. Um, and I'd say sometimes like they'll have opinions and sometimes maybe I'll grumble a little bit. Like, I don't agree with this, but okay. Um, but most of the time, like they are very respectful of bouncing ideas off each other. And if I'm very strongly leaning towards one thing, they'll, uh, at least consider it and most of the time i would say go with that aspect unless it's something they're very against for some reason yeah so i haven't really clashed heads much nice well that's very fortunate yes (laughs) (laughs) awesome well we're actually getting to the halfway point so we're gonna quickly take a five minute break here awesome and we're back to this side of the episode with madeline lee so question for you and I know because I know you personally, you have won an award for costume design. How do you win that award? What <laughs> went into going to win that award? Um, well. What was the award for? Um, it was a Leo Award for costume design for short film. Okay. Um, it was very exciting. Honestly, um, I was absolutely shocked that I won it. Um, if Why? Um... <laughs> You put a lot of work into your design. I, I do. Yeah. Um, and I was really happy with uh, it. was for a short film called uh, Cafe Racer uh, that was about a young uh, Japanese woman sort of who was very into uh, cafe racing, which is like you, you put a song on and you have to race around a certain area before the song ends um, on like in a motorcycle. Co- oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, and it was a really fun one. It was one that was like I think one of the things that helped is it had a bit higher of a budget than a lot of the thing other things I've done, um, and like a good amount of prep time on that one too. It was still hectic. I remember the nights before shooting, sitting on the floor trying not to cry, trying to get these helmets to trying to black out the helmet's visor, yeah. um, but I think it was one that I just had like. A good amount of time and money on, which really helped. Um, and the producer and director were also great. They were like very open to my ideas and uh, let me kind of not fully, not like just do what I want, but like gave me direction, but also let me have creativity in it. Yeah. Um, and I 
got to work with uh, one of my roommates who helped me uh, do the illustration for one of the backs of the jackets that I was really excited about. It was like this bunny Oni thing. Um, and yeah, I think I can't like nail down exactly why I've yeah. won, you know, but I think that stuff definitely helped a lot. Got you. Would you say that also an added bonus was that they gave you more rain to create your own style for it? Yeah, I think definitely they, they sort of let me take it in a way I wanted to go, um, which was very nice of them. Very, very good to work with them. Um, especially like the main character, we kind of wanted to go originally a bit um, cyberpunky. Yeah. Uh, the budget didn't allow us to go like fully into that, but they definitely let me go with that sort of style, which was fun. Um, and was also fun comparing her to the other characters who were like a little more, a little more, um, not basic, but, you know, like everyday kind of casual wear. Um, and I think getting to have that character who got to be a little more stylistic, uh, I think also helped towards the awards just to to show something that's a little a little different, you know? Yeah. When you have an idea for a character in your script and you're like, I really need them to look like this, but you don't end up having enough budget. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself having to change your story structure for what you visioned the character as and then explaining it back to the director because you don't have enough money? Or do you usually just go up to the director or the producer and you're saying, I need this much more money and these are the reasons why? What tends to happen when you hit that situation that you just you can't afford to create the character you wanted or they wanted? Usually if it's like a... A thing of like I just don't have the money to get that exact style I want it it means compromising and sort of pulling back on the design a little bit and trying to make it work with what I can do in the budget um, if it's like a thing like we need a cop costume and we don't have the budget then I definitely go and I'm like we need more money like I can't when it's a uniform or something like that you can't just sort of pass it off yeah. it, it, it has to it has to look how it has to look, you know? Yeah. Um, so unfortunately, you do have to, in the indie world, kind of compromise a lot um, because of budget. But sometimes that pushes you to actually get really cool things because you do a lot of thrifting for indies. Um, and you can find some of the coolest pieces thrifting. Um, so it, so sometimes it ends up opening a different door, maybe taking you in a different direction. But sometimes you end up liking it better. Got you. And I think something that might be like really important for uh, for people watching this who want to get into costume design, budgeting. Mm-hmm. So uh, the head of department is usually responsible for pulling together their own department or at least looking over their department's budget. Is that something that happens in the non-union indie world or is it uh, – are you just given it? How How do you – process budgeting on the shoots that you've had to do budgeting? Yeah, um, you definitely, it definitely is a big part of the job. Um, In the indie world, you don't really get to go like, here's how much I think I would need to do this. It is usually the producer coming to me like, here's how much you have. Yeah. Um, And it is sort of trying to adapt your designs to work within those parameters. Um, it, It can be, yeah, it can be tough. But a lot of the time, you'll get your budget before you really start on the initial designs. So you can sort of take it with a grain of salt how far you want to go, you know, um, which helps to not get a director's uh, expectations too high. If you, like, present something and then you're like, actually, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got you. And in your physical budget itself, do you – so uh, the production designer we had on mentioned that they do it scene by scene, what they need in it. Is yours character by character and then background by background or how does your budget physically look? It's usually, um, yeah, by character and then within that by day. Um, so which – because usually you have one look a day. Sometimes it's more than one look a day. Sometimes – you got like two or three, but um, yeah, you kind of break down by each outfit and sort of go by which 
every item that you need within that outfit and uh, go from there. Cool. And speaking of days, where do you find the day? How do you know? Do you you get it from reading the script? Generally, I will go through and I will do my own breakdown of what I think the days are. Um, And then I will go to the AD and be like, what do you think the days are? (laughs) And we'll sort of compare notes. Um, A lot of the time it's pretty similar. Sometimes there's some differences I don't see. And sometimes I'll have to double check with the director on what they are picturing for each thing. Um, Just because it can be, I was on a show and I think it was like, I think there was maybe like 23 script days or something like that. And uh, I had a breakdown, the AD had a breakdown, and the director had a breakdown, and they were all different. Yes. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of a lot of talking and figuring out. (laughs) No, that's uh, that's actually really funny because I had a similar experience where it was a 25-day story dayed thing but it had so many flashbacks in it mm-hmm. and then trying to work out like oh well technically they go to a new day but this day is still with three days ago <laughs> so that's the same day it was like eagle eye story terms where it was going from like one person's perspective to another mm. um my structure for it because i always have it on the one-liner which day it's meant to be but mm. i will always go back to the script supervisor and mm. the script supervisor also has their own um breakdown that they do so i try to correlate with them because they're always talking with the writer to find out what day it is Mm -hmm. um sometimes i don't do that but uh (laughs) i try doing it as much as i can because not everyone has the time to do their own breakdowns Mm -hmm. um but that's interesting because i was always curious about like do you guys just go off on your own you're like well (laughs) this is probably the day that it is (laughs) for the start yeah Uh, for me i'm like is anyone looking at my documents (laughs) I always look at your documents, Carl. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Even if you don't, it's nice to hear. <laughs> All right. Okay, so we're reaching the segment that we like to talk about a little bit of mental health. And because there's a lot of departments in this industry and in those departments, a lot of people have to put in a lot of hours and deal with a lot of mental health issues that may or may not arise from being on sets for so long. Mm-hmm. Is there... Anything that you notice, and it it can be the same as other departments, but is there anything that you particularly notice in the costume department that you have to deal with more than you would think another department would have to deal? I think, like, I think everyone in film has a lot of aspects that can bring on mental health issues. Um, I think one thing that can be, like, a stressor that maybe is a bit different than other departments is... The sort of last minute things you have to do, the last minute crunch time, which everyone has, but on a lot of shows, you're not getting cast till very last minute, unfortunately, on um, non-union and sort of MOW world. Sometimes you get the cast like two days before you're shooting, that kind of thing. And suddenly those two days turn into absolute panic. Yeah. Like you're doing your best, but you're working usually over your 12 hours. I mean, you can only do so much shopping because malls close, but you're trying to get everything organized at the same time, and it kind of can kickstart a spiral, you know, if you're not mentally doing well during those. Is there something that you do to brace yourself for those days? Definitely just trying to prepare as much as possible. Uh, Like, if you don't have cast... Sometimes buying stuff that you can know you can return if you can like guess at a size, that kind of thing. Um, just trying to keep in constant contact with everybody to let them know like I'm I'm doing my best, but you guys haven't given me this thing, so I can't physically do this yet. So I will do the best with the time I have, but just keeping everyone aware of where you're at. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Setting their expectations. So yeah. if if it does ever happen that like, oh, well, I wasn't able to get this exact piece that you wanted, but also you gave me the guy yesterday. <laughs> yeah. And kind of like you were saying with the, the blood incident, like I immediately came up to you and was like, Carl, this might not come out. And I'd rather tell you the worst case scenario yeah. and then have it come out like after half an hour or whatever yeah. of scrubbing than be like, yeah, don't worry about it. I'll I'll have this ready to go in like five minutes, you yeah. know? I don't want to put that stress on myself yeah. and 
give you a something that's not reality. Yeah, you know? especially because they'll keep checking up and you're like, hey, five minutes, you said five minutes, five minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that's definitely something that I think a lot of departments need to to do to succeed in this industry. It's having that constant communication with one another to, mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, it's to alleviate a lot of stress and just to let everyone know what's happening. The more, the more they know, the the less they need to know. No, that's not the saying. <laughs> but the more yeah. they know, uh, then the less they'll question about why things are happening. Yeah. And it sets the expectations on them. How do you manage it in your team? Is there like, has there ever been moments that you've noticed that someone in your team hasn't been doing so well? And what do you usually do? How do you operate whilst you're in the thick of things? I definitely try to keep, again, very open communication with the teams I work with. Yeah. Um, when I'm the designer, um, usually that's pretty easy because I'm usually working with like friends or people that I'm close with and worked with a lot, uh, on other shows, uh, sometimes it can be harder if you don't know the team as well to be as open. But like, for example, on one of my first shows, I remember our sets, I was assistant costume designer, our set super came in and immediately in the morning was like, Guys, this is going to be a rough day for me. I ran over my cat this morning. Yeah. And we were all kind of like, "I, you shouldn't even be here. Like, that's horrible. Um, and I think it kind of speaks to how much people can just try to push through it for film. Yeah. Um, and, like, just be expected to sort of, like, keep moving on for the production, which I don't think is a good thing at all. No. Like, Yeah. No, definitely, because uh, that that mental stress that you will add to yourself on that day could be weeks of healing later. Yeah, just trying to do it for one day of the shoot, mm-hmm. which and in in a way I can I can potentially see being in a higher position on a on a union set because if they have to leave, maybe they're thinking, well, this is adding so much more work to my team, so I'm I'm negatively impacting them or I'm bringing in someone to replace me for the day and mm-hmm. this person hasn't seen anything that we've done, don't know how we operate, which could entail more workload again for the team mm-hmm. or I could suck it up and be there for the day, which isn't healthy for that individual. Yeah. If something like that happens on your set, what would you do if you knew the person? Let's say they were under you. Mm. If I knew something was going on with that person, uh, my first instinct would be like, I will do my best to find somebody to replace you for the day. I will take the time to retrain them on what's going on. Like, take the day. Don't be stressed about things that ultimately don't matter. What we do is not saving the world. It's not helping people, you know, in a big way. I mean, I mean, sure. I mean... Films help people, like, see different aspects of themselves and all that stuff. But yeah. we're not solving world hunger, no. you know. You being on offset for one day so that you can process what's going on in your life should be more important, in my mind. Yeah. For, mm-hmm. No, 100%. One thing that's, like, a, it's a constant reminder in my head. And I try to tell other departments when they're getting more stressed out. And potentially if we don't make a day. I just always say, like, at the end of the day... The film always gets made. Yeah. No what, the film always gets made. Like you don't never notice the potent. I mean, maybe filmmakers will notice the shot that didn't <laughs> <laughs> didn't make it to camera, but normal viewers never see that. So it, mm-hmm. it's not worth uh, going through this mental gymnastics afterwards. For again, it would have been one day off resetting your inner men- mental health and like aligning mm-hmm. yourself again focusing on like what happened and then moving on with it mm-hmm. because like I don't, i'm not sure what day this was but if it was like a monday and then isn't they're not going to have time to process it until the the saturday yeah if they're gonna if they're gonna keep going to work mm-hmm. and so how long is a costumer's day usually because we always operate on the thought that 12 hour days right mm-hmm. but I'm sure that depending on the circumstances, you need to work extra hours. What What's your average day look like? I would say about maybe 14 to 15 hours. Um, it depends on who you are. Yeah. Um, like 
for a lot of people are like, yeah, 12 hour days because that's when the camera wraps. Yeah. But no, I mean, your truck supervisor has to be there like half an hour to an hour before your actors come in yeah. um, to steam everything, get the lineup set up for the day. They are then there for like, an hour plus after you wrap because they have to do laundry and get everything prepped for the next day. Um, so it's not it's not as simple as, yeah, the camera's not rolling. Uh, yeah. um, and a lot of the times, like, I don't know, I've been on some rough sets. Um, I remember one where I think we did, like, 32 hours straight or something. Um, we had to like blow up a mattress in the back of the costume truck and take turns napping because it was such a intense time just getting everything ready. It was a very rough show. Um, but yeah, they're, they're long days. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually interesting. Bring up a very interesting point. We always say it's 12 hour days. I think there's maybe only three departments and not everyone in that department is even on the 12s. It might be a Mm -hmm. very few people stick to that 12 hour day because even with like ADs, the third AD for the circus is there, Mm -hmm. uh, before anyone else in circus arrives usually to check everyone in. And then they have to wait for everyone's, like, uh, DTRs from the day afterwards. So they're always on, like, 15-hour days. Yeah. Um, Which is very interesting that we try to say that film in BC is 12 hours or we're locked to a Mm 12-hour camera day, which is true, but everyone's doing way, way more hours. But it's good that, like, in those situations that your team has that structure of, like, well— We'll try to get in the the odd nap where we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, try and like help people out when you know everyone's getting overworked. Yeah. Try to like do it in shifts if you can. That kind of thing it definitely helps. Um, but yeah, it can be there is some very long days, and I think people sometimes think because even in prep, there's a lot of long days. I think people sometimes think that oh, they're just out shopping and stuff, so yeah. it's not tiring, and it's like. They'll be done when the mall closes, but it's like, no, got to go back, got to unpack everything, maybe got to do some alterations, maybe you have some fittings, like, because fittings too, like, actors' schedules can be all over the place. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes you're there at, like, oh. 9 o'clock at night trying to fit somebody, you know? Yeah, and that must be extremely difficult on a non-union or an indie project where they don't really have the capability to pay people for prep hours as opposed to like they just give you a flat fee for uh for the most part for prep yeah um and then you're always the person who has to be available for the fitting so you're working on everyone else's schedule Mm -hmm. which must be uh, difficult to maintain for like uh, your work-life balance how do you deal with your work-life balance do you have a good one probably not very well um I mean, yeah, when I'm working on a show, I'm usually pretty dead yeah. at all times, oh, you know. No. Even on the weekends, it's it's mostly about sleeping for me. Um I try and maintain like going out with friends and stuff on the weekends when I can. I know some people in film are like, yeah, I'll go out on a Friday night after shooting, but I'm I can't. I just like to sleep. Like <laughs> I was actually, I was editing one of my uh, Ryan's podcasts for Creative Conversations, and he had an ALM on that was saying, in the peak of things, she would go out in the morning and do a hike at like five a.m. before going to work. And I was like, "You're insane!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, good job. That's very healthy, but. How? I could never do that. Like, <laughs> oh, man. I see a Saturday coming. I'm like, that's 14 hours sleep right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if there's one thing that you want to strive to do better next year for more in terms of your mental health, what would that thing be? And what are you going to try to achieve for next year? I think like as as film is sort of starting back up again more now that the strikes are over, um, I definitely want to try and find more of a balance. I know uh, this is union, but I know a lot of talk right now in the costume department is about doing, um, uh, I don't know the word for it, but split shifts. Like someone gets two days, someone gets three days, kind of that kind of thing, so that more people get work. Um, But that also does help in terms of 
giving people more breaks. I think um, I know, I guess two years ago now or something, I was on a show for about eight months that pretty much everybody in the department that I was in uh, had to take a very long break after the show because it was a very intense show, a very long show. Uh, and a lot of people feel like it's not okay to ask for part-time work. Yeah. A lot of the time you will get passed over if you ask for part-time work. Definitely. Um, or if you ask to do 10, 10 hour days, you know, and I think it would be better for everyone if more people were willing to take people on with, for that, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Especially like being a head of the department, you can see that if, my team's being like, I, I can run at 100% for 10 hours, and then you're you're sacrificing like two hours of your day that mm-hmm. they might not be doing that great, and they don't have enough time to recharge for that next 10-hour day. Yeah, and like you're kind of, you're dead at the end of your day. You Yeah, you're not ready for the next day. Whereas if you're doing the 10 hours, then you have maybe some time to go home and watch a show or read yeah. or make dinner, and all of a sudden you're like recharging that battery, yeah. and you can come back and you can work so much harder. Yeah, that's that's one thing that I've heard Toronto does well mm-hmm. uh, in Canada. They they try to stick to more of a 10-hour day type of deal. That's nice. Which is incredibly refreshing to hear. Mm-hmm. Apparently, BC is one of the only ones that have such long days. Oh, man. I don't know what we're doing, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, awesome. So a little bit more uh, structure for your, your day-wise within your whole department. Yeah. That's what we're looking for next year. Yeah, try to see if I can, like, balance it out more maybe maybe do some 10 hours maybe yeah Yeah, i'm I'm gonna check this time next year i'm gonna check in (laughs) we'll see how you're doing but that's awesome thing to strive to do and even to put the thought out there for anyone listening to be like okay this is something that i can ask for and it does happen from time to time Mm -hmm. so i think the more voices that we have asking for that the more likelihood that unions are or producers are to to hear our voices in yeah. Bring that to fruition. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Question time. Okay. Are you ready? These are random questions that friends of the pod, uh, family of the pod have sent in to ask what is a costume designer or things they want to know from a costume designer, okay. the costume designer. <laughs> so uh, do you prefer working with a director who grants you complete freedom due to their uncertainty or one with a clear vision who may be more selective. Yeah, we kind of we kind of talked about this earlier a bit we too. We did, we did. I and yeah, I said like in this the middle is from a director. Okay, <laughs> but I think like if I had to choose, yeah. Hmm. I think maybe someone who has less of a vision who gives you a bit more creative control. Got you. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been on a, this happens a lot in commercials, that they don't have a vision, but everything that you choose is wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. How, how do you navigate that? <laughs> That's always hard. You kind of just have to keep throwing pictures at them. Like, go on Pinterest, find some pictures, and before you go, like, reshop everything, be like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? Yeah. And find something almost exactly like that in the end. It can be it can be very hard. Yeah, um, that's something that happens a lot on MOWs um, with producers who just yeah they don't know what they want, but it's not that. No, <laughs> I can tell you everything I hate. Yeah, <laughs> I can't tell you anything that I like. <laughs> cool. Okay, so it's throwing pictures at them, and I like to. It's very bad to think this way, but I like to think it's like looking after a little kid where it's like, oh, you don't like that one? What about this one? No, not yeah. that one. What about this one? Yeah. And it, it is like a kid almost where you have to like think about how you speak to them and how you pitch things. Yes. Because if you're like, oh, I'm not really sure about this one, but what do you think about it? They're going to be like, no. But if you're like, look at this. This has a great shape, a great color and yeah. all this. Like really, you got to sell it. 
Nah, you know? Okay, so at the heart of hearts, you're still a seller, when, uh, especially yep. when it comes to someone who doesn't know what they want. Because mm-hmm. they see that excitement on your face. They're like, yeah, this is the best shirt I could find. This is so good. It's going to make them puff. It's really going to sell your shirt. Yeah, and sometimes they don't want to break your heart if they think you're really invested oh, in it. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's handy information. Uh, what is your preferred size team? I guess let's let's talk about it in the non-union sense of things. Mm. Like, if you had the budget, how many people would you preferably want? I mean, it really depends on the type of show. Um, for like a say, like MOW sized show, like you're doing a feature, um, it's contemporary. Uh, I would say you want to have designer, assistant costume designer. You got to have set super, uh, truck. Uh, at least one background costumer, usually like one to three background costumers, uh, depending on the size of how many background you're going to have. Um, if you can have a uh, a prep costumer, that's that's always so nice. Yeah. Um, and then at least one shopper. If you can have two, that's awesome. So what am I at? So I was like, I think you're at like nine, eight or nine people <laughs> yeah. is kind of like an ideal, I think size for that kind of show yeah um if it's more of like a build show um definitely more i think i i did a build show that was union two years ago uh that i i don't know exactly what our department was at but i think maybe like 50 to 60 people yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because it was like we had to have uh, a whole sewing department. You have to have departments within your department. You got to have a sewing department. You got to have like an armor department, a breakdown department. Um, so, yeah, on a bigger show like that, the more the better. I mean, it always is like that pretty much. The more hands you can have, the the less work, you know? Definitely. And being able to communicate in that department would yes. be huge. Like. Sometimes what I always what the way I think about it, if you're bringing on someone who doesn't potentially know what they're doing, mm-hmm. it might not be the best fit for a situation. Even if you're just asking for extra hands, yeah, because for then sure. you're you're adding more uh, uncertainty to the situation. But mm-hmm. that's a uh, that's good to know. Like uh, anywhere up to sixty, because it, when I was working in the health and safety department, I would randomly say like a. Uh, uh, f- I think it would be they they labeled it as stylist coming in mm. uh, like like a suit stylist or something like that to come in specifically for someone's look for tailoring. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. maybe it probably would have been for tailoring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd have this they wouldn't regularly come in. It would be like once every two months for a certain costume they would come in. Mm. Maybe doing repairs or something on that one as well. Could be. I wouldn't be able to tell you. I just uh, <laughs> saw the name, got their nose swabbed. <laughs> Um, do you work closely with the producers usually, or do you have any interaction with the producers? Yeah, I work pretty closely with the producers on most productions, um, cause their, their opinion is one of the ones that really matter, you know? I mean, everyone's opinion matters, but, um, they're one of the ones that you have to sell stuff to, you know? The producer director team, usually I try and present to both of them at the same time, Yeah. um, whether that be like fitting photos or that be like in our preliminary meetings. I try to have them both there. Um, It's always nice to have both of them around because sometimes they can have clashing ideas and it's always a toss up of whose uh, opinion matters more, director or producer, you know? Um, So you want to kind of, and you don't want to be the go between between them. You, it's nice to have them in the same space so you can be like, okay, who's, Let's compromise here. Who Definitely. who wins? Yeah, because otherwise there, there might be too many much back and forth if you get them one one on one. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So okay, that that that, that makes a lot of sense because they also give you the budget and mm-hmm. they tell you uh, there's also different types of producers. There's the creative producer and then the logistical producers. Mm-hmm. Um, but interesting. Uh, what is your preferred style if you had a choice? Um, I don't know if it's really style. My preferred, like, what show I'd love to do is I'd love to do more fantasy and sci-fi. Because um, I'm a huge nerd, and that's the stuff I, like, really love. 
Uh, I don't get a lot of chances to do it because in the non-union indie world, there's not a lot of budget. No. <laughs> and it is usually things that require a bit of budget. Um, other than that, though, like if you want more like style of I, I also enjoy historical costuming a lot. Um, it's just fun to get to do all the research. And a lot of the outfits are like a lot more interesting than what we wear nowadays sometimes, you know? Um, otherwise just like very stylized stuff I like to do. So it really is a testimony of that. You really enjoy the design process of it and the creation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For sure. Okay. What is, oh, no, I just said that one. Uh, <laughs> who is your biggest influence as a designer or do you even have one? <laughs> Are you your influence? You look in the mirror and you're like, it's me. <laughs> there we go. Um, no, I think, like, I take a lot of inspiration from other designers I've worked with, um, whether that be in union or non-union, as usually as an assistant costume designer. I definitely take a lot of influence from how, not not just style, but from how they run their teams. Um, one of my biggest uh, influences, I guess, would be uh, Nicole Swan, who I've worked with a lot, and she's yes. amazing. She's such a nice person and so talented um and just yeah the people around me um and influences i guess like i don't have like a specific designer that i'm like oh yes you know <laughs> this is the biggest news of the yeah. costume <laughs> or or a specific like brand like chanel or anything like that i think for me my biggest influence is just being out on the street and seeing what other people are wearing. It's, it's the whole people watching. Yeah. I used to love doing that as an actor. Mm. <laughs> because, yeah, you don't get any more real than watching, like, just being out on the street because no one's trying to hide themselves while they're walking yeah. for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any legality in costume designs? Like, you can't use certain works. Yes, uh, for sure. It's a lot of the time it comes down to graphics or brands. Um, if you have like a graphic on a shirt, even if it's just a picture of something that isn't like a, a necessarily like a trademark, like a Disney thing or something like that, just the design does belong to somebody. Um, so you do have to go through the legal team to make sure that it is, uh, free use or that you have permission from the artist. Um, and you definitely, yeah, you got to look out for trademark stuff, like, you know, Disney's kind of one of the big ones. You can't have like a Mickey Mouse shirt unless they go to the mouse and ask the mouse. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I think he can be a little tough to get he approvals can. from. Yes, <laughs> yeah, definitely for a, a company that's so large. Yes, <laughs> it's very hard to get in contact with them. Yeah, how does it work when you uh, when you Greek out a logo? Um, it depends on like if it's background or a uh, primary actor. With BG, a lot of the time we're just using gaff tape. Uh, to like black or white to sort of cover up. A lot of the time it's shoes, Nike, Adidas, they're, they're the big guys, um, and just kind of covering up those logos. Sometimes even just breaking up the logo because if it's just part of the logo, it's okay. Um, then with like main actors, usually you have to find a way. If they got like a little polo shirt with a little the little horse and everything, um, you can like stitch rip that little guy out or you can try and find a little design thing you can put there. Yeah. Just to hide it. Badges. 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 <laughs> Pins, badges. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> the little design flares. Yeah. Okay, and then lastly, if someone wanted to get into the costume to, uh, costume department, how how would you recommend getting into it knowing everything you know now? Um, it's a hard question because there's so many different ways to get into costuming. Um, I think definitely... If you can have some sewing knowledge, that's useful. It's definitely not required, um, but just having that little bit of knowledge it can give you a leg up. Um, and I think, like, just keep trying. Find out, like, send your emails to production companies, whatever. Be like, who's your designer? And get in contact with them. Like, a lot of designers are very open to taking on new people, um, we always need extra hands. If if you're willing to, volunteering on like indie projects as well is definitely a really good way to like build up your resume and um, 
you got a foot in the door. You, you make so many connections doing non-union and indie that can help you further on in uh, union and everything. Um, and a lot of the time people on those sets are willing to train you more because it's, it's, it's a learning environment for a lot of people, you know, and the stakes are a lot lower, which is nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Especially even if like, I don't know, even if they did have a bad experience on set, you kind of learn a lot of knowledge just about how sets are operated as well. Mm -hmm. like you might be the best designer, but if you've never been on a set, you don't really know the the times that they need you to operate in and how fast. So, yeah. so it's just, it's great to get that experience on set. And I agree. In the indie world, it's it's a lot easier to to make a mistake and people are a lot more lenient in the indie land rather than mm -hmm. union when they expect you to already come in knowing a lot of this information. Yeah. Sure. Awesome. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But if we want to find you, where can we find you? Instagrams, emails, tell oh, us. Uh, Instagram is uh, at Madeline Costumes. Um, that's probably the best way to get in contact with me, honestly. I I check those messages a lot. Perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. And do you have a website or uh, something that you want us to showcase for you? I don't actually yet. I, I need to build one. Okay, perfect. Well, usually at the very end of this, I'll ask what piece of work do you like the most that you've done that I can add a little snippet at the very end? Do you have a portfolio or something? Um, yeah, I've got some portfolio pieces. Um, one of my favorites is the one we just did, which I don't know if we can actually share. We can definitely. I, I have an in with the producers. Let me talk to them. <laughs> but yeah, let, let me talk to them. We'll see if we can add it to the very end of this or we'll work something so we can showcase your work at the end so that they can reach out to you in the future for getting Madeline Lee, the infamous costume designer of the indie world. I could also give you some cafe racer stuff if you want. For Yeah. The, the Leo, Leo award one. winning. That's yeah, probably of course. a good one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and it's been seen. No, that would be yeah. great. Anything that you want it to be seen, we can put at the end of this. But thank you so much for coming on to the, our show today, for sharing your experiences as a costume designer, and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me on. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, awesome. that's a wrap. Thank you.